Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Scroll. And you were telling me about a, a conversation you were in that took a surprising twist, and uh, we thought oh, that yeah. would make a good topic today for the for the podcast. Why don't you tell us about this surprising twist? Indeed. So I was facilitating a conversation, and it's with a client I've been working with for a while. So they're doing very well now, uh, really improved, for example, in their conversations and in their planning. And what we were doing was planning product strategy. And I got the two of them, the two people in the meeting to talk with each other about how long different things would take, whether we should do one before another, which uh, different components would have to go into each one. And I thought we were having this great kind of uh, low key conversation. And I was just thinking to myself, gosh, I'm so proud of them that they're collaborating so well on this product strategy discussion until all of a sudden <laughs> one of them says, why are you being so hostile? I just don't think you believe in me. Why, why don't you believe what I'm telling you? And this came as a total surprise to me because really what had preceded it seemed like ordinary discussion of timelines and components and who would be skilled at which bit and so on, all the normal kinds of things that you would discuss when coming up with a, a strategy direction for your tech team. So I found this very surprising, and I thought I might uh, tell you about it and our listeners, and maybe we would think up some uh, uh, criteria, or, or maybe our listeners would encounter similar things in the future, and we could help them. <laughs> that sounds that sounds great. Now, interesting here is that is one thing that that stood out to me in this conversation is that you're you're there as kind of a, a third party in it, and you're not really um, caught up in the domain in in the discussion that's happening. Like you don't have a dog in this fight, right? About how you not know the decisions that are being made. So you're a bit. Uh, you're a bit distance. And, and from what you told me, when they then started discussing what was going on in their left-hand columns and their in, inner thoughts and feelings, it sounded like there was some some thoughts on each side. This, this, was, this verbal outburst was kind of the first thing that was visible to you, but that they each had been, I think, growing irritated in the conversation. Do I have that right? You do. And there was history before, which I wasn't aware of, which was that they, they had been having a debate over this topic and had sort of staked out positions, which I didn't know about. And they, they had not um, necessarily got out their um, individual views on how this, might, how this decision might be made. And um, I think each had built up assumptions about the other. The one person thought, gosh, he never listens to my estimates, he never believes what I'm telling him. And the other one thought, gosh, he's just being obstructionist. Why can't we just do X? And they, they had built up those hypotheses about each other, but it wasn't visible to me or each of their beliefs about the other were not visible to each other. So um, the, <laughs> they each knew what they thought about the other person, but I didn't know either of their inner uh, monologue. Right. So what I what I thought was really interesting about this, and, and this is maybe a bit of a spoiler for the audience, which is uh, the fact that this came out uh, uh, actually led to a much better conversation. If you if I have this oh, right, yeah. you, you're able to actually then discuss the issues and get to a resolution. And so it, there was actually it was a good thing, even though people who were uh, watching it, it might have thought subjectively and think, oh my gosh, if things were going so well, and then suddenly there's this you know surprise attack. Uh, uh, but in, in fact, that in that moment where they thought, oh, things just got bad was actually the thing that allowed things to start getting better. I think that was a very interesting part, part about this. Exactly. 
And I, I thought they handled it in a very healthy way. For example, the person who responded to why are you being so hostile uh, did not respond defensively. Instead, he said, you know what? I am being hostile and, and that's not very helpful. And I'm sorry about that, man. You know, I really think that you're doing great stuff. And uh, I, I really do believe uh, I would I would like to understand better how you get to those conclusions. And that didn't resolve it for them because the other person still thought that there, there, there was uh, un, unwarranted hostility. So I, I'm not sure they've resolved it even now after we had the discussion earlier this week. But it started a conversation that was about what was really going on, what was um, happening in the left-hand column of each person, which was much healthier than the kind of masked discussion, which seemed fine to me. Which seemed uh, <laughs> low conflict, uh, low effort, low difficulty. You know, I was thinking, "Gosh, we're going to finish early. Everything's going to be okay." That not what happened, and and much better that we uh, dealt with those uh, issues of trust and um, and hostility rather than ignoring them and per perhaps making a superficial decision without all the information. That's right, I, and this is such a great illustration because so often the uh, conversations that people have in teams. Uh, in organizations uh, have a sort of superficial uh, um, ease to them. You know, the, the conversation progresses easily. There's not a lot of overt conflict. Um, and on the surface, things seem fine. But subterraneanly, there, there's, there's, there's this underground discontent. And it's very easy for people to never surface them. And, and I think you and I have discussed this many times that the most common failure mode that we find when we talk to our clients is not that they're having unproductive overt conflict, but rather that there is unexpressed conflict and leading to groupthink where people are going along with things that they don't really believe in because they don't know how to bring up their disagreement. They don't know how to bring up the issues that are really uh, bothering them. And, uh, and so that's why I think this is such a good topic to talk about. So uh, I imagine some of our listeners will not have necessarily had such a good experience. So some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's all well and good for them. They had a helpful, uh, cathartic discussion and it, it helped them to get further. If, if I were to tell somebody what I'm really thinking, we, we would not have that good an outcome. Uh, I wonder what you <laughs> think about that, Jeffrey. Well, I think I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, especially if you were to tell them literally in kind of the same words. And that's why I thought that it would be useful that we could talk about how to how to have this kind of conversation when you're on both sides, both when you're the person who is feeling uh, that close to bursting and wanting to, to, to speak out, uh, uh, and also how you can respond when someone uh, su surprises you with an accusation like, why are you being so hostile? Uh, what do you think about that? We can look at kind of both sides and the kinds Let's of options we have. Great. So, so one thing we, we've talked before about, and this is in our book, the idea of uh, uh, tells, which is um, a sign to myself that uh, something's going on within me and a, a sign that I might want to examine my behavior. And, and one that I have is often using the word obviously and saying, and an often gesture with my left hand while saying it, which I just did actually, as I said, obviously, I gesture with my left hand because somehow the word obviously and my left hand are connected deep <laughs> in, in my brain. So uh, um, that has become a tell for me to notice that, that I do it and then take corrective action. Say, oh, well, not obviously, let me explain. And I think what occurred to me here is if I'm that person who is starting to feel very frustrated, is feeling that the other person is being aggressive, and um, nearing kind of the sort of, you know, boiling point or bursting point is what happened there. 
that's a, a chance, a, a tell for me to feel that. Maybe I feel my hands clenching. Uh, maybe I feel my face flushing. Uh, you know, I can, I can feel something in me that's not right. What do I do with that? And, uh, and I think this is the question here. And this is where people often say, if you just, as you just said, you know, if I were to tell the person what I'm really thinking, that, that would be, that would be disastrous, you know, because maybe I'm thinking, you know, you're such a bozo. <laughs> why, why are you, why are you a control monkey here? You know, why, why are you, why are you like this? Um, but what the great thing I notice in that imagined left-hand column you have there, Jeffrey, is, is you're asking questions. And one of the things that can be very helpful is to take what you have in your left-hand column, which may be an unproductive question, like, why are you so stupid? Yeah. And turn it into what this person did. So I was very proud of him having, having worked on this, that he, uh, he, he said, why are you being so hostile? I, I really feel like I'm under attack here. And um, what may have been in his left-hand column might have been, there goes so-and-so being hostile again. He's such a jerk that he had converted that into um, something that removed none of the feeling. It, it, was, it came across just as raw and clear. It was very clear communication about how he was feeling, but it was constructive because it had a question in it and it had transparency about what he was feeling. So uh, if you notice yourself having some questions in the left-hand column, that's a good sign. And converting one of those questions to a more productive form is, is an art. It's something you might want to practice ahead of time. That's why we do things like conversational dojos and conversational analyses. But uh, if you can get good at that art, you can have the good result that, that these folks had. I think and the, the thing that said to me what you just said is, was, was actually what you said after the question. And I think this is the key element is that he, the, the addition was, I feel like I'm under attack. Right. And I think uh, it, in that description, that's actually the, the part that's going to be most powerful. You know, if I think if I, if I had a choice of saying one or the other and you just say, why are you so hostile? Or I feel like I'm under attack. I think that that second one is going to be uh, more powerful in the conversation. Uh, what, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm just always a fan of questions. So I, I think e either would be good. And uh, I, I think it's always good to build on questions and trying to discover, because if you really would like to know why he's being hostile, you might discover something, like something that you're doing that could be contributing to the hostility. That, that would be good to discover. So I think there's a good core there in the question. But you're right, the transparency is also equally important and powerful. And what you're doing there is making sure that your left-hand column becomes visible. What you are thinking and feeling has um, been shared with the other person, and that is a, a very... Um, uh, effective and uh, no noticeable improvement in the conversation, although short-term might be uh, feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I I, I I think questions are good. I I guess I, the one of the things that we often would say in our uh, dojos, for example, is say you know is the are, are the questions uh, genuine? You know, in other words, are you asking about something that would change your mind? And and to me, the question you know why are you being so hostile is not a very open question. It's Agreed. <laughs> it's a, no, it's no a question. Argument. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think uh, in terms of, it, I'm glad it worked out for them. I think if I had a choice, what I would want to do is ground it in my own experience, which is, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm under attack here. Um, I might even say, I have the sense that you're actually being hostile in, in your approach. And then I might want to say, you know, it, it, am I imagining that? Or are you upset about this? What, you know, what's, what's going on? To me, that would be a, something to be more likely to uh, get a good result. In I say, you know, I say more likely. Clearly, this person got a good result. So it's <laughs> it's this is not as 
is not a hundred percent, but um, I think it's it's likely to get a, a better airing by in most circumstances. I can't argue with you, and I certainly would prefer the the second question to the first. But if if your choice is uh, to kind of burst out with your um, opinion and your attributions and your beliefs about the other person without asking any questions, or to ask some form of question, I, I would err on the side of asking something. Uh, because it, it shows some curiosity and interest. Although you're right, it's not as genuine as it could be. Yeah, and I and I think, but I think you you do make a good point here, which is number one. Here is we're uh, however inelegantly we are discussing the indiscussable to use the sort of you know uh, rule eight from the uh, uh, guide guide to effect uh, ground rules for effective teams. Um, now called smarter behaviors for smart teams, the Roger Schwartz handout. He had sort of a guide to, to uh, effective conversations and, and number eight was discuss the indiscussable. And so I, I agree that the, the most important thing is that you've brought it out on the table at all. So so that's a win rather than leaving it underground. So, so we've kind of talked about how we might bring that in to the conversation, but I often find it when I'm surprised um, by someone's outburst uh, uh, and that that's when it's sometimes the most difficult for me. And um, you, the reaction that this person gave would be sort of textbook good answer, which is you know, um, David Burns would call this the uh, uh, disarming technique, which is when you're attacked to agree with, find the truth in the attack uh, and, and and use it as a start starting point. So, you know, yes, I, I am being hostile. Uh, and I, you know, I wonder if you could tell me what, you know, what that's like, you know, say more about what it's been like for you. That would be, you know, right out of the David Burns playbook. And it sounds like that's the response that this person came up with in the moment. Yeah, I was very proud of him for that. And the surprising thing about the disarming technique, which which I sometimes struggle to use, uh, is that you use it even if you kind of um, a moment before would have passionately said, um, what on earth are you talking about? I'm not being hostile at all. And I, I think it was easier for this person in this case, because he was feeling hostile. He had felt yeah. <laughs> frustrated before. So he was able to more quickly um, join the other person, the, the person who'd said, why are you being so hostile? And to say, well, yeah, I am. And maybe I could tell you why. So, so maybe that's why it was a particularly constructive discussion. But the if you, if you're really good at it, if you're if you're Burns himself, or if you're if you're aspiring to be to be him, then even when the other person says something that seems completely unfair to you, you say, "Yeah, you know, I'm probably doing that. I think I'm doing that." And I wonder if you can tell me more about how that feels for you, because I'm I'm I don't I, that's not the goal I'm trying to achieve, but it looks like I am. And uh, the reason it's called the disarming technique, I think, is because that really does take the teeth out of the. Uh, negative reaction of the other person and instead of the other person there's sort of uh, you know someone uh, swings a, a roundhouse punch at you and you fall over well it's kind of hard to continue the fight <laughs> because <laughs> um, you've you've uh, uh, invited them to to um, give you more information rather than uh, can, can uh, continue to try to convince you that you're doing the thing that, uh, that, that they want to tell you about uh, it doesn't it's not going to feel natural or comfortable in every circumstance. Sometimes you're going to want to say, "No, no, I'm not being, I'm not being hostile. What are you talking about? That's not what I mean." And uh, that that I've always found difficult to do. But that's your own defensiveness getting in the way. Uh, so if you can master the disarming technique, it's very, very powerful. That's right. In particular, the, the idea here is that you are are what you're saying is you're you're trying to. This is a, a, in the realm of empathy. You're trying to see why what they're saying is true from their perspective. 
right? So you can, so if uh, in this case, um, the person was being hostile, I had a, a conversation last week where someone uh, I, I can imagine might've said, you know, uh, well, you're, you're just finger pointing. And uh, that was not my intent. Uh, but I could, but I could easily imagine have said, saying, you know, you're right. Th- there is a mount, certain amount of finger pointing going on here because we're trying to figure out what, what happened and, 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 you know, who did what. And it's, 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 you're quite right that there's this is finger pointing and that's not helpful. That's not our goal. We, our goal here is to learn from it, but um, I can see, you know, why you'd say that and why that'd be upsetting. Uh, and in that, in that case, I'm, I'm trying to establish the empathy for their, for their scenario. And that is the way to, to build an improved relationship. And that's why the difficult conversation is so valuable because if you simply said, well, no, we're not finger pointing here. Let's move on and uh, blew past their comment and ignored it, you'd damage the relationship and you wouldn't get the opportunity to learn how other people in the conversation or this person, uh, him or herself, might have been affected by what you were doing inadvertently, even if you don't agree that that was your intent or that was objectively, if that means anything, what was happening, you're, you're giving up on opportunities to learn. And the disarming technique, while difficult to, ma- to uh, achieve, gives you that opportunity to learn. And and uh, now, the, by the way, I'll, I kind of want to give some options here because that that technique can be uh, something that is definitely you get better at it with practice. And my experience is I got better with it practice, and I think that's common. Um, I think um, uh, one level easier kind of technique is to respond about you know how again what's going on for you as you hear it. So if someone says this and and, and you know it was a surprise to you, then you can re- that's a valid response. You can say, "Wow, I'm I'm." I'm really surprised. I'm glad that I'm glad that you said this, but I am really surprised that you felt I was finger pointing. I'm surprised you felt I was being hostile, and I'd like to know more about it. Uh, you know, and then of course, if you have a scenario where you actually were feeling hostile <laughs> as you're doing it, then your best thing to do is to say, you know, yeah, I I, I actually was doing that. That this is how I'm feeling, and we we should discuss that. And and the idea is to to um, not. I think one of the things about all these approaches. As we said, we want to discuss the indiscussable. A lot of times the instinct I think urge people will have is to try to squelch the conflict uh, and to say, look, can we just get past this? Can we just get back to the fact of the matter? Can we get back to days and times? That that was much more comfortable. <laughs> and, and the problem is that it is more comfortable, but less productive. So yeah, that's right. just like it, it might be easier to work on, I don't know if you're if you're building software and, and you work on the the easier part of the software and not the part that's really giving you trouble and uh, only works on Thursdays, that, that might be more fun, but you're not going to fix the, the, the deep seated bugs. Similarly, uh, if you if you only work on the easy part of your relationship, if you only work on the easy bits of uh, what you're trying to accomplish, yeah, that'll feel better, but y- you won't get uh, uh, as good a result. That's right. And in our experiences, there's, there's teams where there is often a push for superficial harmony that these disagreements go underground and the outcomes are less good because there's, you, we don't actually get um, everyone contributing to the level that, that they're capable um, because they're, they're not able to uh, navigate their, the feelings that they have, the, the, the kind of, uh, uh, anger or, uh, you know, disappointment or whatever else is going on within them, uh, uh, inhibits their ability to contribute productively or to hear what other people are saying or in otherwise have a productive collaboration. So uh, that's why we're big fans of, um, getting these things out, uh, into the discussion 
and then so that you're able to, uh, 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 after having discussed them, uh, it doesn't mean that everyone will be um, all happy with each other. This is not that everyone ends up uh, uh, holding hands and singing songs. That's not the point. Uh, our goal here is to have effective, productive collaboration, not that everyone ends up best friends, not that everyone even ends up agreeing. Um, that what we are seeing is that these unexpressed uh, uh, elements in the relationship can be our inhibitors to getting that kind of productive outcome. And in our experience, it's better to work through them to get to that point that you can actually uh, have people engaged in the conversation. And that's the path to getting the best possible result. There you go. Well, we've given our listeners some suggestions for how to improve, how to handle these kinds of conversations when you get surprised with this kind of information. And there's also, we said, an opportunity to practice. That really helps. So we have a couple of ways that you could practice. Uh, one is that uh, we think this is coming out just before a thing called, I hope I get the right name, the Agile Finland Helsinki Coaching Circle. I'm not sure I've got that all right. But if you look on conversationaltransformation.com, you'll find a link to that event. It's on the 14th. Uh, you do not have to be in Finland. Uh, in our wonderful new world, you can join virtually. And we'd love to see you there for a uh, dojo with us practicing uh, some of these techniques and methods for improvement. So if you'd like to join that, you're very welcome. And of course, Jeffrey, you have the London Organizational Learning Meetup. That's right. Twice a month, people can come and uh, practice these techniques. So we'd love for listeners to show up at either of those or just to head on over to conversationaltransformation.com where you can find uh, information about us, videos, uh, uh, get in touch with us, ask us more questions, tell us we're wrong. Uh, all of those sorts of things are very welcome and we'd love to hear from you there. And we'll see you next Wednesday on Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.